It's a great privilege to be here. Thank you, Marinus, for, for welcoming and having me here. I love our Every Nation Twane family. I said it this morning, but when I think of Twane, you know, your, your, your name, the name of Twane goes far and wide as I travel. And you guys are known for passion, for discipleship, uh, for just loving Jesus and going all in. I mean, I have a lot of interaction with Ratif and just his heart for God, man. Through the years, up and down, his heart for God. With Philip, his passion to see lives changed and transformed for the kingdom. So I know I'm in a great place because you guys are awesome. You guys are rock stars. Today we're going to speak about the story of worship, the ways of worship, and then the impact of worship. And I'm going to touch on a few things. Of course, there's a lot more in the story of worship, but I'm going to just touch what time, what's the time? Okay, I'm going to just touch on a few things and then move over to the ways of worship and how worship impacts us personally, but how worship transforms. Uh, nations that can transform lives, transform the world, really. And I want to start with my own story. I was a teenager, and I was invited on mission to do these beach missions. Uh, it was Scripture Union, a company called Scripture Union. I don't know if any of you know it. And we used to go on these beach missions, and like I was uh, naive, young, raw, came up from a pretty messed up family. But my mom was a Christian, and I was one of those kids that grew up, you know, the blankets on the floor, Sunday in, Sunday out, worship practice. So the Word of God in my soul, in my heart, in my spirit. Songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You never forget. You never forget as a kid. And my mom did that one thing, many things right, but that one thing is that she introduced me to Jesus at a young age. So... I was invited to these missions. I thought, awesome, let's go, let's go. We'd get on the beach. It was in Nice in the wilderness, you know, suffering for Jesus, not really. But, um, and uh, we would do puppet shows with the kids and just kind of do outreach. And then halfway through, our leadership said, we're going to be doing these missions trips uh, in the townships uh, close by. So we would get into a township, and this is what my leader said. Basically, we're going to worship the Lord until... God comes, the atmosphere changes, you know, and people are going to get saved and delivered and healed. And like I was 18 and I thought, okay, that's what we're going to do. Um, and they asked me to lead worship. I could play three or four chords, uh, more or less, uh, more or less three or four. And so any song that would fit into three chords, I was like, okay, I can do this. But I'd not really led worship before and I was an absolute wreck. <laughs> Nervous wreck, like preparing for hours, you know, these few songs with these three or four chords. But um, what we did is we worshiped the Lord for hours in those townships. And we would just gather in a place and we would just start worshiping. I mean, literally for hours. My fingers used to bleed because I played guitar so much. And we would worship God and people would come and people would gather because, you know, what are these like weird white people doing in our neighborhood pretty much, um, you know, and we would worship God and people would come and get saved and delivered and healed and changed and we would set them up in churches. And that was my foundation, if you like, my base of worship. And what happens when you come together in song and you trust God for Him to come and He actually does come. And so that is still my base. You know, that is still my base of faith that where the Bible says that when we praise Him and we worship Him, He comes and He changes lives. And he changes heart. And you may come in here, and I felt there's people coming in here with anxiety. And God's saying, you're going to go out and walk in peace. And there's people coming here where you're feeling depressed, and you're feeling like there's no hope. And God is going to, you're feeling hopeless, and God is pouring in hope in your life. Hope for a future. That his plans for you are good. So if we look at the story of worship, I'm going to start with point number one, that you were born to worship God. We were born to worship God. If you look at 1, Timothy, 1 Peter, sorry, 2 verse 9 and 10, Peter says, but you are a chosen generation. So I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. That word a royal priesthood uh, comes from the, the Greek word hiratuma, probably pronouncing it incorrectly, but it means one who offers sacrifices to God. We are priests, and through the blood of the Lamb, we are all priests, 
That is God has called us to be. Why are these people? He says God's only special, God's own special people. Why? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That you may whisper the praises of him who called you out of darkness. No, not that you may whisper the praise, that you may proclaim, that you may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And we see, I'll read one more scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 6 to 7. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. That word is kabud, which means who I created for my honor, for my splendor, for my abundance, who I formed and made. And friends, all of us were born to worship. And we know the question is not whether we will worship, but who we worship. Tim Keller says, the process of true worship of God is to recognize where our worship already is and transfer ultimate value to God. Yeah, that breaks me every time I read it. Uh, where are our idols? Where is our worship? You know, before we met Jesus, we can see people worshiping things, worshiping their cars, their sport, their wealth, their um, intellect. We have many idols in this world. And it's because God made us to worship. We were born to worship God. But people find alternatives. There's a whole teaching about priests, which we're not going to go into today. Um, but in the Old Testament, God, it was God's plan that everybody, everybody, all the children of Israel, that, that they would be priests ministering to the Lord, but they rejected it. And the Levites, the tribe of Levites, they turned towards God. And so he made them priests in the tabernacle. But that's a teaching for another time. Um, but the point is through the blood of Jesus that we're all called to be priests, not just the band. We all know this, not just the band, not just the musicians, not if you can sing, just if you can sing, or if you can't sing, but everybody, we're all called to be priests and to worship God. Secondly, <laughs> um, Jesus says that God is looking for worshipers and he defines what kind of worship he is looking for. John 4 verse 23 verse 24, it says, yet a time is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, that word is pneuma, which is the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, and our spirits. We will worship God in spirit and in truth. And the word for truth is aletheia, which denotes things which are true. The word of God, things which are true. It's also a word that has connotations to Candor, basically being real without pretense. So God says this is the type of worship that he seeks. Those who will worship him in spirit, with the Holy Spirit, with my spirit, communicating to God's spirit because we are spirit beings. And in truth, that we come to him real people. We don't put on those masks. We come to him real as we are. And that's the kind of worship that he seeks. The word here, uh, he says his worshippers must worship him. The word in, in um, Greek is proskuneo, and it means to bow low. Must worship him, bow low. And when you've bowed low, it means bow lower. When you've bowed lower, it means bow lower. This is what it means, actually. It means being prostrate, being prostrate before your king. So God is seeking that type of worship. I couldn't do it this morning because I had a white shirt on and I thought things are not going to go well after I get up. But um, that's the kind of worship that he seeks, the kind of worship that bows low before the Lord, that gives everything. It actually has connotations of a dog licking his master's hand, that word proskuneo, that when we worship him, we give everything, recognizing that he is king. The first time the word worship is used in the Bible is Genesis 22, where Abraham is asked to go and sacrifice his son. And in Genesis 22 verse 5, um, Abraham says to his servants, the boy and I, we're going to go up to the mountain and we're going to worship. Joy in the house. No, sacrifice, pain, giving of my all, giving my best. My very son, God asked him to sacrifice 
and God comes through. Read the story if you don't know it. Genesis 22. It's very exciting. Um, God gives insight into what worship is not. Because in Genesis 4, he rejects Cain's offering. And he accepts Abel's offering. He rejects Cain's offering of fruit and, Cable's, and, and Abel's offering he, of, of the sacrificial lamb he accepts. Um, and there are many theories about it, but there are ways that we worship God that God lays out, you know, in the Bible. I'm just skipping over a few things. Isaiah 66, we see that God wants to dwell with these people. God seeks those who will worship. You know, worship is the magnification of God. We worship is worship. The word comes from the old English word, which means to give something and someone value and give them worth. So when we come to God, it's the magnification of who God is. The great thing about it is that I can be feeling lousy, and I can worship God. I can be feeling joyous and I can worship God because the meaning of worship is to magnify God in my heart in an environment. And it's not actually dependent on the way I feel. I mean, isn't, doesn't that set you free? It set me free when I first really, really got it that I can come into God's presence regardless of if I'm having a great day or a lousy day or a busy day or I'm writing an exam tomorrow, which I am. Um, you know, I can come into God's presence and magnify God in an environment. We see the last one in, in the story of worship, and there are many more, that King David in 1 Chronicles 16, he cultivates an environment of worship in the tabernacle of David. He becomes king, and almost one of the first things that he does as king is he brings the tabernacle into Jerusalem. The tabernacle um, signified the presence of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, sorry, signify the presence of the Lord, and he brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And he sets up and he, uh, and he cultivates a culture of worship among the Israelites. This is how he did it. He had 2,000 people in the band for 33 years. Who wants to join the band? Do you want to join the band, buddy? It's 33 years, 24-7. Are you in? Yes. Yes, that's what I like to hear. Um, you know, we asked, Sunday morning, a few hours, come on, it's nothing. Um, David, the tabernacle of David, he instituted uh, praise and worship for 33 years, um, where you see in those 33 years, uh, there was peace. It was just, it's just very interesting what happens during that time. But he had 2,000 praise and worshipers. He appoints uh, music directors, Heman, Jaduthim, Asaph, um, and he appoints scribes who will write the songs. So David's doing his you know, kingly duty, David things um, that he does. And he calls the scribe. Scribe, I don't know what the word is, what your name is. Come, I've got a song. And the scribe writes down the song. Then he says, go, send it to the chief musician. And send the song to the chief musician and the music director. Chief musician takes that song, turns it into a song. And then he gives it to his musicians. Those musicians knew the Torah, learnt it literally off by heart. They made their own instruments. They knew and they were taught how to prophesy over their instruments. So they're in that environment and he appoints thankers. You're the thanker and your job is to thank God 24-7, to instill and cultivate a culture of gratitude amongst the children of Israel. He instills the praises. Your job is going to be to praise. And that word praise means halal. And the word for halal is one of the most well-used words in, uh, in the New Testament. Old Testament, sorry. Um, and it means to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Not just foolish. Clamorously. What a word. Before God. To make God famous. And so these musicians were in an environment in Israel, and what they did was they kept reminding people, singing about the love of God. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found. Because they were in the environment, not on the stage. Leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Yet you. And oh, the never-ending 
they were prophesying the love of God in an environment. And you know what happened? Atmospheres changed and God's love came down. You know, Israel were at war, like all the time. They were dying, then they were fighting. It was as real as it got, man. It wasn't just singing about the armies, you know. Um, they were at war and and through David bringing the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, into an environment, God was magnified. God was magnified. We have the presence of God inside of us. It's not out there. It's inside of us. And as we come together in our homes, in our families, in our work, as we honor God, as we magnify God in the song, in our lives, in our families, through the hard times, through the great times, and we sing, oh, the overwhelming, never reckless love of God. And oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. And I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. So you gave yourself away. Songs are powerful. Music is powerful. God's word is powerful. You know, we sang that song, I raise a hallelujah. Do you know how that song came to being? It was uh, uh, Jonathan, David Halsey, they were in, a, in Bethel and one of their friends, kids, was in hospital fighting for his life. It was like five or something like that. And Jonathan, they were praying, they were having nights of prayer and he woke up in the middle of the night and he just something rose inside of him and he said, I raise a hallelujah. In the middle of the storm, whatever it was. And I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder. I'm going to raise his roar. was fighting for that boy's life in praise. Something was happening in their community and they raised up a song. And that's what the children of Israel did. Um... Let me, let me stick to my notes. <laughs> but that's how God comes in like a flood. And he changes atmospheres. And he, if we will allow him, he will come and heal and deliver and transform. If we will allow him, if we will be bold enough to realize that God is real. And when we worship, when we lift up our worship, when we lift up our praise in life, in song, God comes in like a flood. So we move on to the ways of worship. We see that the Bible instructs, commands, guides, and teaches us about the ways of worship. So questions out there when we worship God in so many different ways uh, is do we worship him as king, as holy? Ons hef ons ander of is heilig, heilig. I've got the flu, excuse me. Kuko impilo, kunakuleda wo. Ons hef ons handed op, want he is heilig. Heilig. The 24 elders round the throne, taking off their crowns, kneeling before. The throne singing, holy, holy, day and night, holy, holy. Do we worship God as a holy God because he is a holy God? Do we stand in awe of his wonder? We stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of you. Here in your presence, set our eyes on you. Do we worship God as Savior as Redeemer, somebody who comes and sets us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Get out of the dark, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom, there is freedom. Do we worship that, you know, access that aspect of God? Worship is a response to the character, to the nature and God is all of these things, 
all of these things. He's holy. Holy, holy, holy. And he requires a pure life. But he's also rejoices over us. The word says, ghoul. It's in the Old Testament. Zephaniah, that's where it is. It says, the Lord rejoices over us. And that word is ghoul, which means spins around under the violent emotion of joy. He rejoices, God rejoices over us with singing. How much more can we rejoice over God with singing, right? Okay, what is the time? Ish, the time, the time. Um, do we just spend time with him? I wrote this song once. Um, we will just come. We will just be here in your presence. Totally free. Nothing to prove. Nothing to do. Here in your presence. Just to know you. Just be still and know that I'm God. He's all of those things. If you look at Psalm 96, it's 1 to 10, it says, sing to the Lord. What do we do, we? Why do we sing? Because the Bible commands us, say, sing to the Lord. That's why we sing and we obey the Bible. It's quite weird, actually. We come on a Sunday and we kind of sing together. I mean, sometimes I thought, I mean, it's quite weird. I mean, I do it. I'm a worship leader. But we do it because we're obedient to God's word. Because God introduced song. I've got a music therapist as a friend. And the power of the song, what it does to your soul, what it does to your body, what it does to us together as we sing together, God knew this. God ordained this. God says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing a new song. When Miriam, uh, when they crossed the Red, the, the Red Sea and, 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 and the, they almost died because, you know, the, the armies were after them, she gets to the other side, she grabs a tambourine, and she starts singing, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. When I was young, we used to sing that song. I mean, I had no idea what I was singing. I was like, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. But actually... As I read the Bible, there was a horse, there was a rider, and they were thrown into the sea. The enemies were thrown into the sea because they sang about, which is praise, the, the wonderful, marvelous deeds of God, right? That's what the Bible says. Sing about who God is. Like if it was, you know, 19, 1970s, we may have sung of, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Apartheid's gone, and now we are free. Hey! I'll sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Apartheid's gone. Now we live in unity. Come on, right? We sing about what God has done. Look what God has done in our country, people. Let's sing about the things that God has done. It puts a whole new spin on praising God. When you declare the marvelous works of the Lord, Plato said, give me the songs of a generation and I will change the minds of that generation. Sh songs shape theology, worldviews, and are easily remembered. The power of singing has incredible benefits to our soul. Sense of belonging. So sing to the Lord all the earth. Who should sing? All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will say. All the earth. It says it right there. Psalm 100. We're singing the word. All the earth will shout your praise. That word shout means shabach. means declare the praises of God. It comes from Psalm 145, which says one generation will shabach the deeds in the name of the Lord to the next generation. Why? Because we forget. We forget how great God is. So it's like, don't forget how great God is. He's a mighty God. He's an amazing God. And He loves you. He will always be with you. Don't forget God. One generation shall praise the name of the Lord to the next generation. I told the story this morning that my son, um, 16 now, he's, he's a musician as well. I mean, other things as well, but he, he plays the drums. I was like, could you not choose another instrument, you know? Drums are so loud in our house, but he's really good. Um, and when he was little, I was making albums, and he was listening to albums, and he would go to bed at night. Uh, I wrote 
wrote this song called God of the Breakthrough, my hope is in you. And he would sing God of the Grapefruit, my hope is in you, God of the Grapefruit. I was like, well, he is the God of the Grapefruit. Um, and there was another song that one of our guys did. It was like a rap who's that, Christ on the cross, Christ never lost, Christ is flawless. Look back, you might want to. Pause the blood of the land that keeps us spotless. Jesus' blood, what? Uh, he grew up on those songs and he never forgets it. You know, he was sitting, we were out in Jungle Gym and I live in Houghton, which is a Jewish, Jewish, very Jewish neighborhood. And we were all, we were me and my son and all the Jewish mums. And he's on the Jungle Gym singing, Jesus' blood, what? He never fails us, Jesus. And I'm like, oi vey, oi vey. Um, but that is the word Shabbach. It's where one generation reminds the next generation who God is. How awesome and amazing God is. So whatever generation you are, you are, it's your responsibility to sing and remind the next generation about the incredible God that we serve. The psalm goes on, sing to the Lord, bless his name. That word is Barak, bless. Uh, blessed be your name. Bless the Lord and all that is within me. We blessing God, Barak. And bless his holy name. Declare his glory among the nations. What should we sing about? What should we write about? We should write about declaring and proclaiming his glory among the nations. All creation speaks your glory. The wind and the waves bow before you. We're writing the words of God, and words of God bring life. His wonderful deeds among all the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But it is the Lord who made the heavens. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. Who is the sanctuary? Us. We are the sanctuary. Uh, strength and beauty fill the sanctuary. That's what happens when you wait. Get a little stronger. Do you know that song? They that wait on the Lord, Maverick City, shall renew their strength. They will rise up upon wings of eagles and soar. Strength and beauty fill the sanctuary. And as I sing that, as David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, speaking to his soul, saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. Because God comes, the environments change, and something starts happening on the inside. And I become more like God. And when I become more like God, people want what I've got, which is God. Amen. Psalm 150, verse 1 to 6, it says, um, it starts with the word praise, every line. And that word praise is a lull, which means to shine, to boast, to rave, to celebrate to be clamorously foolish, just to be unabandoned before the Lord. I mean, you know, people sometimes call me weird. I can't imagine why. I'm really quite normal, and I'm actually an introvert. But you know, when I come into the presence of God, I don't care, because God is worthy of praise. Thank you. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of our praise, you know. Um, he's worthy of our everything. And of course, the halal is to make God famous, not make Belinda famous. So don't be like stupid, and make Belinda famous. Do you know what I mean? Be free, but make God famous. So it says, Allow the Lord, allow him in his sanctuary, allow him for his mighty deeds, allow him according to his excellent greatness, allow him with a trumpet sound, with a lute and the harp, with the tambourine and dance. Allow him with sound symbols, with the loud clashing symbols, let everything that is breath, allow the Lord. Everything that is breath, allow the Lord. And when we lift him up, he comes. He manifests himself. He says, come with thanksgiving in Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Not with grumbling, with thanksgiving. With a grateful heart. I used to think when I started leading worship, I had to start every song with something about thanking the Lord. Because, you know, I took it literally. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Um, there was an old, old, old song that says, I will enter his gates of thanksgiving. We used to sing it like every time. It was like the starter song, you know. But then I realized you enter his gates with gratitude. So you just come into his presence being grateful and not grumbling. I mean, we've got lots to grumble about in South Africa at times, 
<coughs> no cheating. But, but um, how do you come into the presence of the Lord? Just with gratitude. Gratitude. With thankful hearts. That's, that's Bible. That is, that's, he says, this is how you come into my presence. So, you know, sort your grumbling out and come into my presence with a grateful heart. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, Thou art holy, thou inhabit the praises of Israel. The Tehillah praises. You, God comes, uh, that word is Tehillah, which is the singing of halals, and he comes and he inhabits. Hello. We're going to go for coffee. Yes, great. Uh, where do you live? Centurion, okay. So I'm going to come now after the service, and I'm going to come inhabit. I'm going to come live with you. Day and night, I'm going to be with you. She's going, heck no. But that's what that means. You know, sometimes we like God to visit. Okay, church is over, bye. See you next Sunday, Jesus. No, no. God wants to come and inhabit. Inhabit this space. He wants to be with us. Okay, I'm going to end with Psalm 47, verse 1. And um, I'm going to ask you to stand for this. <laughs> and the Bible speaks a lot about clapping your hands. Psalm 47, verse 1 says, Clap your hands, all you nation. Shout Shabbat to God with cries of joy. You know, clapping's cool in rhythm. But when I hear this, when I see this verse, this is what I think of. Where we say, let's clap. We clap. We applaud God. We honor God. We shout to God with a voice of triumph saying, yay, God, you're an amazing God. You are awesome, God. Well done. You are awesome. We love you, Jesus. We applaud who you are, what you've done. We honor your holy name. You are amazing. Clap your hands, all ye people. When my son does something amazing, man, I'm like, yes! He, led, he, sang in, he played in the band. You can sit down. He played in the band two weeks ago for the first time, like an adult band, you know, and I led worship. Man, I was like, yeah, you did so well, well done. Something inside, you know, and when we worship God, when we see who God is, you know, he comes. And um, I'll just end with a story. We were in, uh, we were in Serbia. I was with a friend, a missionary friend of mine. And uh, Serbia, oh, they're people that have been through a lot of stuff, wars, and so they're quite tough. They're like, they are tough, man. You don't mess with a Serbian. <laughs> I mean, they just through what they've had to live through. And we were singing this song in Serbian. I can't remember it now, but it was the song that there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And when we first started singing, I mean, people were literally, because they were not pretending. It was fantastic. I love it. Like, if people are just real, it's very cool. You know? No religious pretense. Like, what are you doing? What are we doing? It was church, but, and we just, Susie just kept singing. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain. And we sang it for about 30 minutes. In Serbian, which I try to find the file, but it's, you know, it's like it was a short download because I learned so many languages in worship, which is an awesome privilege to sing in Zulu and Koso and French and Serbian and Jordan and Afrikaans and English. Man, how cool. Um, but as we sang it, there is power in the name of Jesus. We started declaring the power in the name of Jesus. One by one, people just started crying and God started healing and ministering and delivering. And I just want to end with, you know, if we give God that space in our hearts, sometimes we don't even know what we need. A lot of times, actually, because we've got stuff happening and, you know, we, we don't know. But the beauty of worship and the beauty of music and just getting to God's presence, whether you're alone, whether it's in a group like this, God comes and he transforms us. And that's I'm not going to do the impact of worship, but that is one of the impacts of worship in 2 Corinthians where it says we, we come into God's presence and, um, 
like a mirror, we reflect God's glory and we are transformed into his image. And so where there's brokenness, his image, there's no brokenness. God heals. God sorts things out. Where there's depression, God comes and he brings healing and he brings deliverance. And he, he sorts out the stuff of life because life's tough sometimes. Life can be tough. And we carry these things around. But the beauty and the power, the power of worship, friends, if we will yield ourselves to that, I want to challenge you. Allow God to change your heart as we come into his presence. God is life. God is love. God doesn't, he is love. He will leave the 99. Because, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. He knows, he understands, he gets it. And so may we be a people who are known to make God famous, to invite God's presence into our environments, and to allow him to do the work of transformation in our hearts. Amen. Amen, church. Yeah, so let's give Bill Linda a hand there. Thank you. Yeah, so I want to I want to tag team on our last verse quickly, just in the Corinthians verse, if we can go there again. But the motivation here is for you this week. Uh, for now, I'm going to call out guys that I can see right now. You remember last week we did, we did the prophetic uh, moments. I'm going to call you out now. You're going to sing a prophetic word. Uh, just what's on your heart for ten seconds? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. Okay, so some of the introverts, Belinda went, what? I'm never coming back to this church. No, please do come back. Oh, it was just a joke. Okay, so you can do that later with God. I'm just saying, I mean, look at this quickly. I just want to, I don't know if you see this. Uh, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the glory are being transformed into what? Into his likeness, which is what? With ever increasing glory, yes, which comes from the Lord who is? We worship Him in spirit and in truth. And things change because we connect with Him in spirit. Uh, who has been stuck in traffic on your way to work or wherever? And you go, Lord, what am I about to do right now? And God says, worship me. Put in a song and you just go, that's my time of prayer sometimes. Sometimes between my meetings, there's a half an hour or 45 minutes. Anika can't keep up because she keeps book of all my stuff. But then I change it without telling her, oh, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy to work for me. Anyone want to work for me? No. Okay, so ultimately, on the way there, I've got, I know I have 40 minutes with God. I switch off my phone. I put in a song. I'm just, this is my time. I didn't have it this morning. I'm having it now. So we have to buy our time of this, all the halal, not that halal, the other halal, okay. So not the halal, the halal. And so halaling God, you're never going to forget that again, eh? Okay. Is the, for the fact that we are not only His children, but He is commanding us through the Word of God to give Him praise and worship. It's not our choice. It's our response to what Jesus has done on the cross for us. Moment of repentance. Felt, felt it this morning to minister it tonight. If you looked down on worship or praise for that matter, if you came to church late because you don't want to sing at all, you don't like the singing, um, you don't have that voice, it's okay. Do you know that God doesn't listen to our voice, Belinda? He listens to our spirits, our hearts. Um, it was the song when I grew up, uh, listen to our hearts. Remember that? Hear the Spirit sing. And so it doesn't matter how you sound. I don't sound like her. But ultimately, ultimately God wants your heart. He doesn't care about anything else. He is waking up. He's waiting for you to wake up in the morning and He's wanting you to spend time with Him. He's hungry for that time with you, that relationship. I said, it's not the rules of worship. It's the fact that we open ourselves up for it. This is a time of repentance right now. If you need to repent of your unwillingness or uh, inability to buy out time or just going, Lord, I don't have time for that. I want us to say sorry. I want us to repent. You know what the biggest, greatest movement of repentance is? It's change behavior. You know what's true repentance? I change my ways. After I repented. 
I want us to have a moment. We, I know we're over time. No, we're not. We're in good space, space, okay? Close our eyes. I want to lead you in a prayer. Father God, thank you so much for what we've done in this day for learning out of your scripture and your word, how biblical it is to worship you, to praise you, Lord. Um, I just want to say thank you that, that you sent someone that's just layering. I felt the whole day, uh, Belinda's layering things in our spirit into our church and which you want for us, Lord. Let us not be sitting on the sidelines anymore. Let us not be quiet. I will not be silent, no. And I will not be quiet anymore. I will not be silent, no, no. Lord, that we repent of our, not our inability necessarily, but just, you are not being um, truthful to who you made us to be. We want to repent about our disobedience in worshiping you. We will not be that generation that stops praising Jesus. Stop singing about his goodness. Stop worshiping the God who is alive, who does not lie, but is living proof. We are living proof of his creation, his power, his glory. Your creation worships you, Father God. The, the rocks will cry it out if we don't. But tonight we repent of an of a, um, unwilling heart to give over to you holy, worshiping you undignified. Can I show you what undignified looks like? Open up your eyes. Um, I felt the Lord just saying, I want to show you what it is to be undignified. Okay. Thank you. <clears throat> so being undignified before God is different before people because, because un being undignified in front of Him means that I'm laying down, like Belinda said, everything that I think I am worth of. I'm nothing. She laid down on the ground for you. I rolled on the stage for you. But it was not for you. I do weird things. In my, room, in, in my room with Jesus. I told you last week, I do funny things, but it's not weird to him. God loves us being undignified. Uh, he says he, um, he rejects the proud, but he lifts up the humble. Being undignified is, is sacrificing your name, your title, your, how cool you are, the clothes that you wear, it lays down everything. And we were in repentance, so close your eyes. If you need to repent about that this tonight, I want you to be honest with the Lord right now. I want you to be honest with Him. Saying, Lord, I, I repent about what I have not been faithful in. Praising and worshiping you because you are worthy. You are worth my worship. Just a minute, just give the God time. Just repent. With repentance comes love, immediate forgiveness. He sets it right. It's easy, Lord, I'm sorry for not worshiping you in the way that I should. I'm sorry for worshiping other things above you. Placing things on the throne which you should be sitting on. I'm shifting it now. I repent. I will change, Lord. My behavior, my reaction, listening to my emotions above worshiping you. Lord, I will worship you. doesn't matter how or what's happening to me. If I feel like it or not. If you ask me to worship, I will praise you, Lord. 
Belinda, I feel that there is a next generation that will, not, will only learn, not only learn from you, but do the things that you, you, that God taught you from a very young age. I feel that there is such an anointing on you to connect with age groups from 12 to 82. God is opening up in this next chapter of your life a place where God is going to use you in such different and sometimes volatile and sometimes really peaceful, but in such different ways that you're going to stand back and go, Lord, I can't believe we just did this. But your ability to, sh to shine for Jesus since the age of 18 with three chords only, God has given you the ability to do so much more. But then I feel God is saying for the next season, it's back to basics. It's the plain notes. It's the, it's the, it's the gentle song. And I feel like you're moving into a moment where you're going to still experience new levels of praising and worshiping God. Sharing that almost immediately. I feel like you've, you've grown in such a way that if you eat it, you will, you will give it away. When you taste that it's good and it's God, I see the honeycomb in your, in your hand and you're giving people honey to eat. It'll open up their hearts and their spirits. But I feel that God is, is definitely those children and their children's children and theirs. It's a generational thing that God has placed in, on, your, on your life because it has been given to you from the previous generations. God says, I will bless you until I come and get you. I see some of us reaching out or just being friends with lost people and you're wondering, Lord, how am I going to do this? And God says, you just pray over them. I see you walking next to them. They're telling you a story and you're just praying, Lord, I pray for this person. Let's say it's, it's Andre. Lord, I pray for Andre. And while he's speaking, you go, when, you, when your shoulders touch you, you pray over him. I feel that God is saying the way to change and to interject is by prayer. God says you're not having the breakthrough because you're not praying for them. It's not enough to engage. It's, you have to pray the Spirit of God over them. And some of you need the breakthrough and it's going to come in that way. Amen. Some of you are sitting here wildly introvertedly. That's okay. I know introverts that, that, that lead people to Jesus every week. You're going to be okay. But I do believe God saying to you tonight, you spending time with me will give you something to give them and pray over them and that'll change their hearts. It'll change their lives. It'll bring the breakthrough. It's not always being the loud one. It's being the praying one, God says. It's not what you say, it's what you pray. It's not how you act. It's what you give them in prayer. I see you writing people's names on a piece of paper. You're wearing it in your wallet or in your pocket or in your, um, you know, in your jacket pocket and you, you're trusting the Lord for people's lives that are lost. And I'm seeing when you, when you cross that bridge over that chasm and God saves them, it's going to break the, the, the wall of the dam and the water will not only trickle, it'll flow. I'm praying for faith tonight in your own heart. If you need a portion of faith to go into this week, I want you to stand up. God wants to, He wants to bless you tonight. I'm going to ask Belinda to move with me and she's going to lay hands on us. We're going to minister to you. If you need a portion of faith tonight for your week, the next two weeks, the next month, the next two months before 2023. Let's pray into it. Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive that portion now. Receive it in Jesus' name for what's coming. For what He has for you. He's already been there. He's already prayed through. You need to pray it through right now. Receive it in Jesus' name. 
Receive it now. If you are sitting right next to one that's standing, you are praying to them now. Come on. Let's activate church. Come on. Activate each other. Let's go. Thank you for faith. A portion of faith in Jesus' name. A portion of faith. Receive it now. A portion of faith in Jesus. Receive it now. Portion of faith in Jesus' name. Come on. Faith in Jesus' name. Faith, God says. Faith in Jesus' name. Faith in Jesus' name. Faith, receive it now. Faith, receive it now. How do I receive it? I say, yes, thank you, Lord. I take it. I receive it. Faith in Jesus' name. 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 Thank you, Jesus. If this is the first time you come to our church and you hear me speaking in tongues, as I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm doing, not doing weird things, um, we call it the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can go and read that in the New Testament. Google it tonight. Um, when God baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, the gifts move. And I can't stop that when we're ministering with God. There's other, there's other people on the outside of church that minister also in the Spirit, but on the other side. So I want you to receive it tonight. God is moving. God is alive through us. It's not me, it's Him. It's not Belinda, it's Him. It's not Gepi, it's Him. We proclaim Jesus in this church, but we will definitely be obedient in the movement of it. He is alive and we want you to be, be alive as well. So let's end off this session. I want to bless you with the blessings of the Lord. I want to speak out the goodness of God over you. I pray that He reigns every good thing and thought and dream He has for you that He will realize in your life. Sometimes it doesn't happen in one day, God says. Sometimes it doesn't happen the next week. Sometimes it only happens in 20 years, but His goodness is still good. He's still the rock of the ages, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the one that we're looking to. He's the rock on which we build our house. Jesus is it. He's everything. I want you to receive that. Come on, let's raise our hands and say, Lord, we receive that tonight in Jesus' name. And we end off this session. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son to earth so that, so that He can die for, in, on our behalf and we can have life and that in abundance because of what Jesus did on that cross. We thank you, we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.